0: What's up, listeners? It's Andrea. Today, we found a Keiko fan to come geek out with us. Crying babies have no place in public spaces. And we ask the question,
1: how would you have resolved the whole space prisoner problem? All that and more coming up. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey,
0: I'm your co host, Andrea. Sharice. today we are talking a really awesome episode, season five, episode 15, Power Play. This episode was written by Paul Rubin and Maurice Hurley and directed by David Livingston. The Enterprise picks up a distress signal and, upon investigation, find that it seems to be coming from the USS Essex, a spaceship lost 200 years earlier.
1: <gasps> Ghost ship! Bum, Ghost bum, ship! Bum yes um ghost ships are always a good time on the show so yeah i'm I'm excited to dig through this one now before andrea gives us the plot summary which um actually that was the plot summary before she gives us her initial thoughts i mean Mm -hmm. we have a very special guest that i want to introduce so her name is candace ridardi and she is the host of the Gratitude Geek podcast, a relationship marketing podcast that helps micropreneurs find their micro-influencer magic. She also happens to be a TNG super fan, just yes. like us, which is why she's here. Now, Andrea and I were honored to be guests on her show, episode number 130. So be sure to check out the Gratitude Geek podcast, wherever podcasts are found. And now we're honored again to have her as our guest. So Candace, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited
2: to get geeky with you.
1: Yay! <laughs> so before we get started, we <laughs> love to ask all of our special guests the same question. And the question is this. Who is your favorite TNG character
2: and why? Okay, so this question is complicated or the answer is complicated because I'm now 52 years old. And when I started watching TNG, I was, I don't know, 16 or 17. So my answer changed. And I'm oh. going to answer it from today. Rather than what I would have said when I was seventeen and I first started watching the show, and the was answer was it is, Wesley. Was it Wesley no. when you were seventeen? No, oh, it wasn't Wesley. It was Jordy LaForge when I was a teenager. Oh, oh I love Jordy because he was so analytical and scientific, and he always had the answer, and he was very, very thoughtful. and And I don't know. I just still have a crush on LeVar Burton, so I don't. I don't know. Well, he's kind Can't of the best you. thing ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's like the perfect human. But really today, today, <laughs> today, now that I am all grown up and I can look back at that. Episodes, And I had the perspective of DS9 because it's, you can't, I can't separate the two shows because the Mm -hmm. characters are are cross board, but Mm -hmm. um, now my favorite character is Keiko O'Brien.
0: Oh my God. Why? Because we have not had like a ton of Keiko love other than like her hair is amazing and her wardrobe is amazing, but like, I'm so curious to know why she's your favorite.
2: Well, honest answer is when I look back at my childhood, I didn't see anybody on TV that looked like me. I'm an Asian American. My mother was an immigrant from Korea who came here when she was 10 years old. And oh, there wow. was nobody in eight, 1987 who looked like me on TV, with the exception of Connie Chung. So looking yeah. back, uh, you know, from that from that perspective of that, that's why. But my love of Keiko came from DS9 mm-hmm. because, wow, on DS9, she really does kick ass. She I really, mean, really does. She starts a school. She goes and lives on Bajor without her husband. She, you know, she, she goes through an entire pregnancy where she isn't even carrying her own child
1: wow. and she deals with
2: all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, she, you know, I'm sorry, she didn't carry her child because the, the, the fetus had been transferred to another person, <laughs> but, but, you know, she, and she, all the things that could have, could have broken her. Cause that could have broken her. But the way we wrote her, the, the way she was written, she was strong. She was independent. She was trusting and loving and, and just, you know, and in today's episode, there's a little bit more about why I love her. So um, awesome. yeah, we, do oh my God.
1: we have been looking for someone who actually likes Keiko. Like that was a request we put out into our community. Like somebody tell us and we, I love that answer. I will say that both Keiko and Miles in TNG, I mean, Miles shows up a lot, but just randomly and we don't know why. Yeah. Um, they don't have a lot of functionality in Tng, but you get to Deep Space nine and they are integral. They are so important. They go from really these random side characters. Mm-hmm. They go from being these random side characters who are on the bridge, I mean, on the ship with the other thousand people doing whatever they do to being like the bridge crew. Now, Deep Space nine is a space station, so it's not the same kind of configuration, but they go to being like main characters. And they are so much more fully developed and fleshed out, so much more interesting, so much more impactful. Um, Their relationship has a lot more facets to it. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, Well, you could,
2: Miles also is really important in this episode.
1: He's super important in this episode. (laughs) But most episodes, he's just like there and we're he, like, he's what interchangeable you here? with anybody else. Yeah. He's
0: so interchangeable <laughs> with anybody else. I'm like, anybody could have pushed that button like whatever, but yeah, miles, you know, I never really got into DS nine. Um, I've tried watching it a few times. I'm like, okay, it's cool. It's just a very, very different type of storytelling. It's like long form storytelling. It's more, um, It goes more in depth because instead of a more serious tone, that's for sure. Yes, yes. And instead of like the enterprise going to different worlds and just having these little pit stops, now everybody comes to them. So they're like the home base. It's a just a very different vibe. Um, I don't dislike it. I just never fell in love with it the way I did with TNG. But I'm glad to know that like Keiko continues to go on a kick ass. And to be honest, I would have left Miles's as ass at home and gone to Bejewel too because I can't stand
1: Miles. But how do you
0: fabulous for Miles, girl. Level up.
2: I I'm curious <laughs> how you feel about how you feel about Voyager then, because it was episodic, not not serial.
1: Yeah. I think Andrea, I think Andrea's favorite is TNG. And that's yeah. from the like, childhood like nostalgia. Yeah. That's like the my anchored, home base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, it's, yeah. for me, it's definitely Voyager is my favorite just because of, you know, I was a feminist since birth and I was like female captain. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was during like my teen years when I was developing my identity as a woman. So I was like, I want to be like Jamie when I grow up. Um, but my second favorite is TNG for the same reasons that Andrea has. It's that warm and fuzzy. It's what I watch with my family. It, it's got such a special place in my heart because of my connection to community through it. So yeah, uh, hence our show. Yeah. Um,
0: So Candace, before we, before we jump into
2: the episode, how did you get into TNG? We watched it together as a family when I was a kid and I've always been nerdy. I mean, I've always been a geek. That's I had a computer when I was 10 and I was learning how to program, right? Yes. So I've always been geeky and I was 10 in 1980. So (laughs) I don't know. I had America online when nobody else had, you know, remember when they started giving CDs to everybody from? America Oh my God. Yes. I had America online before that. That is a blast from the past, Candace. I did not know what AOL
1: stood for until this moment. I was today years old. I was like, (laughs) America? Oh, that's what the A is. I thought it was just AOL, like, you know, just letters. We just picked letters to name it. That's amazing. <laughs> Turns out those letters all stand for something. WWW stands for something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Well, I love that it was just part of your like growing up, you know, in your family. Um, You know, I think that they're just, I, I was always very sad about how much just like a quote unquote normal part of a childhood it was to like introduce young boys to sci-fi and parents didn't often like give the same space for like young girls to get into sci-fi so I'm really psyched to hear that it was just like yeah I no, everybody just kind of gathered around the tv and we just watched it it was just normal which I'm like yes you can't have you know can't
2: be letting the boys have all the fun my <laughs> dad didn't have any sons so you know he had no option. He had to share his geekiness with somebody. Yep. You know, so. Same with my dad. <laughs>
1: Mwah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> the
2: thing is, the thing is dads who, ha- who have sons and don't share the same things that they share with their sons with their daughters are missing out. Just oh, yes, for sure. yeah, you know, advice and, out there for any of your dads out there.
1: And vice versa. Totally, totally, yeah. totally. You're missing out. You never know. I saw this TikTok That was hilarious. This, this person was like, my dad introduced me to something like Avengers, you know, when I was 12 mm-hmm. or whatever. And then it's like, look at me now. And dad walks into her room and she's just got like Marvel stuff everywhere. Dolls, posters, bedspreads, everything. And she turns look at him and he's like, what did you do? And she's like, I am what you made me. (laughs) It was was so funny. I was like, yeah, that you never know when you're going to spark this passion or love in your child for something as incredible as sci-fi, which is is just super special. Yeah. Um, Well, should we jump
0: into this episode? Um, Candice, as our guest, what were your initial thoughts going into
2: this episode? Um, So I didn't remember it at all. Oh, so I had to watch it to be reminded. However, again, I'm 52 years old and I saw these episodes for the first time when I was a teenager. So so I didn't remember the episode at all. So obviously it hadn't made that big of an impression on me. Um, But as I was watching it, I I got this feeling that it was directed by somebody who didn't normally direct Oh. Uh, episodes, so you said it was directed by David Livingston. So I'm going to Google whether or not how many episodes he's directed because it just had a different vibe. You, the that's most so interesting that have. you say
0: that David Livingston, to my recollection, just off the top of my head, has directed maybe five to eight TNG episodes like not a huge amount. And we are you know pushing halfway into season five already. So it's so interesting yeah. that you pick that up. Just a different, and you're just right, had a, different it
1: does have a different vibe. Yeah, it's not that it's. It is. It does stand out in that way, and I agree with you, Candice. It's not something that's super memorable. Like just hearing the title "Power Play," I was like, mm, "That is just that didn't invoke." Could literally anything. be anything. It could literally be mm-hmm. anything. But I think it's similar to last week's episode. I mean, to two weeks ago's episode, where um, we Masterpiece Society, the one where Troy falls in love with this yeah. xenophobic guy who's in charge of this whole community inside of a biodome where it's just like kind of this, it's just a really solid episode. It's maybe mm-hmm. not the most memorable thing in the world. It's certainly not garbage. That's always a plus. It's just a <laughs> solid episode that builds the foundation for our love for the show so that it can have those standouts here and there. But this is like that foundation of just like, this is really, really good.
0: See, I I have to disagree with you. Like this episode always stood out in my memory a lot. And I remember a few things about it. I remember Troy and Data And some third person, which of course it ended up being Miles, like the (laughs) ultimate third wheel of everything TNG, um, like taking, you know, being taken over by these little like balls of light. And then, you know, like taking over the ship and like trying to, trying to like create some sort of hostage situation to, to like leverage like their position. And I do remember that little trick that like Roe and Jordy were trying to pull where they like had the little machine and they all had to be in the circle to like try to extract these little energy beams of light or whatever. I do remember that. Although you're right. Like the title itself, power play. I keep confusing it with last week's episode. Where I was like, oh, it's a power play.
1: Okay, yeah. this is like the wiping the
0: memory. And so actually actually the
1: ship. Like power plays a better name than conundrum. Yeah, conundrum is just like, we have a problem on our hands. Like that's every freaking week. Like who, power okay. plays a much better name for that episode. Yeah, Maybe See this I, one should be called conundrum.
2: <laughs> so maybe they wrote this episode with this title first, but they, but they released that one first. I mean, it could
1: be, it could be.
0: Who knows? Um. All right. So let's just jump right in here. Um. The Enterprise is puttering along past the star system and finds this very distinct distress signal coming from one of the moons. And it turns out it's a Starfleet subspace distress signal standard to the Dataless class starships, which haven't been in service for 170 plus years. So already, already conundrum is a better title. <laughs> oh, this is what I'm saying. Like, like,
1: yeah, we should have swapped yeah, those titles. Yeah.
0: yeah. It's like, wait, wait, what? Like, this has been out of commission for like 174 years or something. And you were hearing this distress, like that already was like, Ooh, ghost ship vibes.
1: Yeah. And the distress signals not coming from the planet, which is called Mabu six. And I'm a fan of this name a lot. Ooh. Um, it's coming from the moon. So you're like, huh? It's coming from the moon. And they're like, what is this distress signal? Was had something crashed here? Like what could this possibly be? If it's, if it's a Starfleet distress signal and data goes, dee. And discovers that it, the Essex, the the USS Essex crashed here like 200 years ago. So mm-hmm. you're like, wow! And their distress signal is still working. That's amazing. Like that is some really good technology. I'm thinking about all the technology that I personally own right now and how it will be
2: completely useless and obsolete yeah. in one year. Like it yeah, was so a no solar. Function. I mean, what's the deal? What's the deal with the battery? How's the battery? I'm life saying, on that?
1: yeah. Like <laughs>
2: my batteries yes. are dead
1: within hours on my devices. So. It this is feels, amazing. it feels very like black box
0: to me, where it's like no matter what happens to the ship, that black box like continues like it records and preserves like what's going on, you know, which like always blows my mind when you hear black box audio of like a plane crash and you're like, the whole plane was destroyed. everybody died and yet this black box maintained it like it's still there and still houses a recording, which is like it blows my mind. So that that I did think where I was like, it feels black boxy. um hmm. by the way, Since we were just talking about this, there were multiple working titles for this episode, and all of them are crap. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, uh, working titles for this episode included The Invaders, which actually makes a lot more sense. Uh, Terror in 10 Forward, which sounds like a Twilight Zone Mm -hmm. title or something. That's awful. That's awful. It's awful. And then Feeling
1: Poorly feeling poorly (laughs) um
0: did somebody allow naming rights for their like kindergartner like what is
1: that? we're gonna name this episode sad face (laughs) yeah i was like feeling poorly poop emoji
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> Although I will say, I think feeling poorly is right up there with terror, terror and 10 forward. Like, okay. All right. Twilight zone. Calm down.
1: I like invaders, yeah. but what it's was a little it bit invaders? spacey. It's a little space invaders, invaders. It's a it little, feels, mm. it feels
0: a little bit like atomic age sci-fi, like nineteen sci-fi, which yeah. don't get me wrong. I freaking love, I love atomic age sci-fi. But none of these titles work. So I guess power play is like the least offensive of all
1: of these well, titles.
0: Well, what would you have called it then?
1: Conundrum. I, Conundrum. Okay. Which was last okay. week's
0: episode. <laughs>
1: okay.
0: Anyway, okay. anyway. So just had to reroute us for a quick second because it was super like right up our alley. Um, so yeah, it turns out that the distress signal... Um, the transponder code to this distress signal is identical to the distress signal of the USS Essex that disappeared over two centuries ago in this sector. So it's like even more ghost ship vibes. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm here for all of this.
1: And um, did you notice Ensign Rose on the bridge? Whoop whoop. Yeah, like, like to see her back. Rose, back.
0: Did you guys notice that while there, the crew is sort of hearing this distress signal and they're like, wait, the transponder codes like, our identical match for the Essex who disappeared 200 years ago in the same place. And we never heard back about what happened. Did you notice that Troy was like, came onto the bridge from the turbo lift by the science station and walked all the way around. And even before she spoke, I was like, Ooh, Troy's feeling something. And I did not remember this part at all, but I was like, wow, she's like really processing some sort of like strong feeling she's getting from this moon. And I love that. She's like, you know, there's somebody down there like somebody is alive down there which knowing the ending i'm like i don't know if maybe that's the language she should have used but she could have said like i'm there's a there's a life force or like some presence or something but she did say like there's somebody alive down there because they were like well should we go down and like check out the the essex remains or the Mm -hmm. whatever and i love that they're like "Mm, not a good call because there's so much like em radiation everywhere like it's just going to be a hazard for like transporters and shuttles and all of this stuff you know but troy really does argue she's like there's somebody down there and i love that she's got this like strange and powerful feeling from the moon um and i love that like she's back to being a very strong empath again because she kind of wasn't for a little while
2: yeah i like this episode because it gives her an opportunity to actually act the actress yes
0: yes um
2: And there are, you know, she gets, you know, because she's always dressed in tight clothes and her hair is so beautiful. Sometimes she's not taken seriously as a character. But in this episode, she actually does some acting. So it's it's nice.
1: And same thing with Brent Spiner, who plays Data. We get to see the acting chops of both Troy and Data in this episode, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, Miles is just kind of a weirdo. (laughs) <laughs> just, he's just kind of weird in this episode. There's a just lot kind of, of hate for
2: Mike. Yeah. Well, yeah. He was kind of a jerk in this episode, wasn't he? Was he? he was a jerk.
1: Kind of. He was, he was a jerk and he was weird. Like there were times he when was he was a jerk and a creep. Yeah, yeah. He was a jerk and a yeah. creep. He was yeah. both. He was yeah. both. Yes. And I'm not saying that Troy and Data were like lovely people. They were no. awful as well. However, I feel like we got to see a bigger range from them. Yeah. Of emotions. And then Miles, it was mostly just confusion and anger. Like we didn't get to see yes. as many different. He was Page just like he, he just that's seemed exactly kind of like right. a like a drunk angry asshole, and you're like,
0: dude, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, you know, it's like you can you can you can find that kind of guy at a bar Absolutely on any anywhere. given Saturday night. Yeah, that like dude's in every Saturday.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we know that they're criminals, but we don't know what they did. So we don't know what the backstory is for those those entities. This is true. Well, actually to speak to
0: Brent Spiner's like kind of getting to flex his range a little bit, he actually commented about this episode in particular. He said, I always love to play another type of character. The challenge here was to make my character not sound or act like lore. And I think Mm. I did.
2: Ah. It's
0: really fun to get into those curves because so much of data is already defined. And when you get to play someone else and let loose, like, Leonard Nimoy occasionally got to do on the old show like it's really really rewarding. And I was like, "Cool. So I had read that quote before I watched the episode and so I kept kind of like watching his character and I was like, he does seem like Lore but not quite like Lore. You know, it's like how many times and how many different ways can you play like angry bad guy? But mm-hmm. he he made a difference like it didn't
1: feel Just like a template of lore, it didn't feel like lore at all. He Mm -hmm. he crushed it. It felt to me like a totally different person having his body. It didn't feel like lore.
0: Yeah, like lore is a lot more like self assured.
1: He's a little little Loki style. Like he reminded lore is like Loki, just very kind of trickster, like kind of slimy, (laughs) kind of sneaky. But that's not this guy. This guy was just like ready to fight and like unhinged.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, totally unhinged. Anyway.
1: Oh
2: my, oh my gosh! Has Grant Spiner ever been awarded any acting awards? Because I remember thinking when he was um, when he was uh, best supporting actor, first contact in the American Academy of Science and Fiction. Oh, so yeah, he's got, but never really any Emmys. And I always thought that he, bad, a, that he was because he was a so better great. actor than that. Yeah, I always thought he he at least deserved a nomination.
0: Oh, agreed, agreed. Um, all right, so listen. Troy is just feeling this vibe, like, way too strongly. She's like, I'm sorry, but I am sure that there is somebody alive down there. So they're like, all right, transporters are a no-go. We'll send a shuttle down. And I got to say, this is the first time in a while in Star Trek that I've seen such freaking terrible CGI. Oh god, It was so <laughs> fucking bad. I was like what? There's just like, it's like Windows 97 clouds with just like a little (laughs) shuttle bouncing around in it. Well, And I was like, what the F is this, you guys? A
2: billion years ago, I saw a documentary about the original Star Trek series where they showed how they made it look like the, the bridge was shaking. And when I was watching this episode, that scene, I was like, oh, they must be the actor's Are the ones that are moving Mm -hmm. or the cameras moving and they they aren't because that's what it looked like. I mean, Riker was was able to touch all the all the buttons on the console easily without any (laughs) effort. Um, And it just looked it just it looked like the camera was moving and not. yeah. Yes, I will say. First time on a shuttle we've ever seen
0: some
1: seatbelts. I was like, "Hey, safety harness—about time!" I know because they don't have seatbelts on any other part of the ship, and they really should because they get in a lot of space battles. <laughs> there's explosions; they crash, and You've they don't even have chairs. And boards attacking.
0: Yes, like we. Yeah, need I always wondered belts. about that. How yeah, did most the, how
2: people... did the Go ahead, Candace. Sorry. Well, I, well what, what do the kids do when the ship's under attack? We have no idea. Alexander school, apparently gets,
1: gets trapped in a museum. We don't know what <laughs> they do.
2: <laughs> the has a, In his pocket. Is Andrea, that that exactly, episode?
1: Yeah. It's that one. And Andrea suggested like, maybe school should be canceled when there's like, you know, when the ship is shaking. And I was just like, they would never have school. They would so never have. They've got to have some gravity defying boots or something, which actually that's something I saw in the expanse that they should absolutely have on the enterprise. Like grab like, boots or like mag boots. boots. Yeah, yeah. Where you like, don't fall into, you know, you don't hit the ceiling whenever the ship shakes, but okay. whatever they have seatbelts in okay. the shuttle.
2: 1997 versus 2020. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the technology has seat come a long way. Seatbelts. Here we finally have seatbelts. Yeah, they had seatbelts seat became... in nineteen in the nineteen eighties. They had yes. Them. <laughs> you know they were they That's became true.
0: mandatory in like the early nineties, if I 86, recall. Eighty six. Okay, so like. Come on, guys. But all right, good to see some <laughs> safety hardnesses. And now, so
1: the electromagnetic field is way too strong for the shuttle. Shit starts going like the wrong terrifying like terrifying shuttle ride I've ever seen. One hundred percent Ass on all of this. Get me out of
2: here. And they're percent like, Okay,
1: we're gonna crash land. Do, 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 well, and that's yeah, why I, prepare that's for I,
2: impact. Yeah. I knew it was a different director. <laughs> because oh. of that. How well, terrifying
1: that was.
0: Well their crash landing was such 90s television where the camera tilts one way and then it tilts another and then it just spins and spins and spins. And I was like, that's not really how crashes go.
1: Okay, you know what? whatever it looked like an
0: that's amusement
2: fine. park ride
1: yes it really did it I looked wouldn't like, I wouldn't ride that ride <laughs> it looked like Star
0: Trek shuttlecraft <laughs> the ride yeah like you could get it like universal or something
1: yeah it was very
0: <laughs> yeah and like okay so they, they make it out okay but Riker's got a busted arm like he broke and his arm in the all crash. that
1: happened from that crash they, they, they are lucky they should all
0: AF. have died immediately oh, upon impact his, come on his broken
2: arm is so fake
1: yeah, he's just sort of
0: kind of holding his arm around like his yeah, rib. Like, I was okay.
1: kind of thinking if you had a broken arm, which thankfully I've never had one and I hope I never have one. She's but I was thinking, and yeah. yeah, I was like, doesn't it hurt? Like, I don't know. He just seemed kind of like, he's an officer
0: (laughs) on the Enterprise. Pain receptors have nothing on his sense of duties and and responsibility. responsibility.
1: (laughs) When he sent data back to, so the shuttle crashes and then Riker and Troy emerge and data emerges kind of last. And Riker's like, hey, Data, go back and see if there's any electronics we can use because we can't contact the Enterprise from here because the storm is interfering and everything. And Data comes back a a few seconds later and is like, There is nothing in the ship that is usable. So I'm like, wait a minute. If the crash was so bad that there is not even a hypo spray, not even a data pad that is functional, how did y'all walk away without even getting the little cute cut over your eyebrow? Nothing. These
0: things are designed to sustain like huge force and fired. impact, but the three meat bags that were bouncing around in there, like ended up being okay. I don't Maybe think so. Maybe their uniforms
2: so. have some sort of a uh, personal shield that we just don't know about. <laughs> oh my God. You are so kind, Candace.
1: <laughs> Cause I'm like, I just call BS on this. Like they should have all been yeah. killed
0: and that would have been the end of the episode. Or at least and been like
1: severely it. injured. All of them should have been injured. They didn't all need broken arms, but like we could have had cut eyebrows and like busted lip or like a you know, contusion really, or two the, like the yeah some adorable cuts and scrapes a bruise or something i mean they were just like well <laughs> that sucks anyways let's I, go explore like i come off of a roller coaster with more damage than they came out of that
0: entire like shuttle that's, collision with the planet like <laughs> but all that's right what the shuttle looked like there's a little
2: ro- a roller coaster ride that's it, r- it ride, really yeah. did
0: um so riker's arm is broken but like they start as they're walking around troy is like i can feel more strongly than ever that there is something alive on this moon and they had this like it was better cgi a lot better than like the shuttle bouncing around in the clouds but they look up into the sky and there's a storm front approaching and on the storm front there's like shimmering it's like glitter so yes yes it it reminds me of like watching the sunset over the ocean like Mm -hmm, because it like the way mm -hmm. that the light refracts on the water yes it it looked a lot like i felt like they probably Shown some light on some water and like captured that and over superimposed it. But I was like, whoa, that looks really cool. But there's like hundreds of thousands of these little shimmers kind of coming towards them. And you're like, oh, that doesn't bode well.
1: I wouldn't think anything of it, honestly. I mean, if I just survived a freaking shuttle crash and I was on a planet, I'd be like, oh, thank God I'm alive. Like that's all I'd th- be thinking. And then if I looked up and saw glitter in the sky, I'd be like, oh, pretty. Like I wouldn't be like, hey, this seems but they, kind of unsafe. Like more unsafe than crashing in a shuttlecraft <laughs> on a storm, a stormy planet onto like volcanic rock. I think shimmery clouds would be very cool. I would not think that was dangerous at all. Yeah, by the way, Riker did say it's non-porous rock. So I'm thinking you'll crash going a million miles an hour into granite
0: and you're fine. <laughs> Even further reason to call bullshit. Come on. Whatever. I'm now I'm mad about that. All right. Anyway,
2: <laughs> I love, I love that. You know what yet. non-forest rock is? <laughs> Hashtag science.
0: <laughs> yeah. I was like, granite as a climber. That's the first one I always go to. Um, I like mm. to climb at Joshua tree from time to time and it's all granite and it's really sharp. So like you even take like a little fall or like your hand slips a little bit and it'll like cut your fingers. So I'm like, so you guys crashed a shuttle onto that and you're fine. Okay. All right. Okay, so- guys. I
1: love it. So what happens is that they're like, okay, we need to find some way to get back to the enterprise. They Riker's more convinced than ever that there is no life here. Cause Troy was like, maybe they live underground. Maybe they've made caves and it's like, yeah, but it's been 200 years. So they've just been interbreeding for 200 years. I don't know. We need to like put our thinking caps on with this, but Troy feels a living presence. So she's like, but someone's alive here. So Riker's like, mm, it's seeming less and less likely. And Troy's like, it's more and more likely so we're like, okay, back on the ship, they're like, because all right, feelings. Yeah, exactly. Back on the ship. They're like, okay, we need to find some way to get them, but we can't obviously send another shuttle. Cause it's going to crash again. We can't beam them down, which was the whole reason they took the shuttle in the first place was because of this storm. And then O'Brien's like, you know what, what we need is a pattern enhancer. And this is actually where O'Brien comes in handy being the yeah. transporter chief. Cause he's got some special knowledge that Literally everyone else has, but we're gonna pretend like only he has it, him, Jordy, and and Wesley, who's not here. So <laughs> so O'Brien's like, all right, I'm gonna take these pattern enhancers, go down to the planet, and then it'll make the the transporters work. And um Jordy's like, you have like a 50-50 chance. And O'Brien's like, I'll take those odds. And Picard's like, cool. And I was like, Arr! wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Chance, yeah. Boom, he has a baby. Who bets on a 50-50 chance? And I like really went on a rant in my notes about this. I was like, what kind of safety <laughs> is this? Who would ever put odds on it? Like all this stuff. And then I thought about it later on. And I thought maybe, I'm seeing this all wrong. Maybe the 50-50 chance is there's a 50% chance he will get to the planet. There's a 50% chance he will not be able to leave the ship. Like the transportation oh, won't work. And I was like, that yeah, makes more yeah. sense because when he does it works, he transports to the ship. He's just like, Hey guys, brought some transporter enhancers. And I thought, like, you just survived with a 50-50 chance. You should be so much more relieved. And you know, you're just acting like nothing. And I thought about it. I was like, oh, that's probably why. Like, if it was a 50-50 chance of I'll make it or I'll just stay here, then there there really isn't any danger. And it's not really See, that scary. I and it's probably being, fine. I
0: think you're being too generous, to be honest, because the the guy who was on duty in the transporter room while Miles was like grabbing the pattern, you know, enhancers, he was like, There's a really good chance that your particles are going to be scattered into a million different pieces. And like, that'll be that. Like, oh, he I didn't say, hear him say that. Yeah. So he had a 50% chance of dying in this transporter. Yeah. Okay. So, so then think, my
1: rant is valid. What your the rant F? is super Who valid. Does that? Who yeah. does that? And you just had a baby and you're like, doo, 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 doo. like dude, do do do, like, stop trying to be Captain Enterprise. Come up with a different plan. So we had a 50% chance of dying, which mm-hmm. to me says, how about you just transport the pattern enhancers down there?
0: Yeah. You don't need any, don't make it.
1: If you don't make it, that's a problem. If they don't make it, you just transport some more. And you just keep transporting them until some until of them get down it. there.
2: Because guess because what? they needed e- to have three bodies so that they
1: <laughs> everyone knows how to turn those things on. You set them you up, you twist, twist them. it. You, you twist, twist it like it. a Even ballpoint I pen. Know. I'm not even on the enterprise. I know how to set those up. So you just just (laughs) keep beaming until they get down there. The away team will figure it out. There was no reason whatsoever for O'Brien to go down. Did you notice how cavalier O'Brien
0: was too, where they were like 50% chance you might die. And and O'Brien was like, I'm pretty sure I can make it. And I was like, what are you basing that off of? A feeling? Like, what do you, Uh, it it was, it was akin to like hold my beer and watch this. And you're like famous last (laughs) words, you know, it's like, I'm pretty sure I can make it. You don't, have any basis of like information to go off of. That's like, you know, my, like, unless you're like, I just have a gut feeling I'm going to make it down there. Yeah. We don't go off of those.
1: Yeah. So I blame O'Brien for this really risky maneuver for no good reason. And I secondarily blame Picard for okaying this risky maneuver for no good reason. Like I was like, Picard, what's our, has, has he been taken over by an electricity monster? Because he's just like 50, 50 chance. That's good enough for my crew since when? Mm -hmm. Anyways, He makes it, he's fine, no worries. As they're setting up these transporter enhancers, um, they all get struck by lightning and they hit the ground hard. And I actually have a funny story about this. It's actually not funny at all, but I have a story about this. <laughs> I was like, why did I write funny story in my notes? It's not funny. Um, I heard Marina Certis, who's the actress who plays Troy, talk about this scene specifically, Ooh. where when they said go, all the actors had to throw themselves onto the ground as hard as they could. So when they said go, Ouch. she threw herself as hard as she could backwards and ended up breaking her tailbone <gasps> when she hit the ground. Oh my and God. And she was, she was, she had bed Ouch. rest for the next six weeks after filming this scene. And she said, when I saw the scene on screen, I was so disappointed that I was so tiny in the scene. It could have been Wharf wearing my costume. So she uh. like, she was really throwing herself into the role literally and physically and got hurt and when she went and looked at the results it was like wow that was so unnecessary like you can't even tell it was me and I just I never forgot that that little quote from her so as they're passed out and poor Marina Sirtis is probably in (sighs) severe pain in this scene as she's laying there yeah as they pass out these little balls of light come down from the cloud and hover over all of them they enter all of their bodies except for Riker kind of hovers over Riker and then it like flies away real fast And I wrote in my notes, I didn't remember, I didn't remember this at all and i was like mm-hmm. why did it just fly away is it because he was waking up was it scared off by that because that doesn't make any sense yeah why did they wait till they were passed out because that also doesn't make... well anyways it flies away and it's a big mystery until later on when beverly unveils that mystery but Riker wakes up when the others don't he wakes yeah, up and he's right. like right it doesn't make so, yeah like anyways, w- because if, if you were conscious and a little ball of light was flying towards you what are you gonna
0: do shoot your phaser at it
1: like there was nothing you could have done what are you gonna do run hide yeah like there's yeah okay but whatever no reason- right. and they also the balls of light could have also entered them from behind and then they would have not even like through their backs or something and they wouldn't would have, have never seen know. it they would have just been like doop, doop, doop. oh my gosh you know so yeah. whatever anyway. they they shocked them unconscious in order to do that and then it didn't work on Riker and so Riker wakes up and he stumbles towards the last enhancer pattern enhancer twists it and instantly they're all transported. So apparently that transporter operator on the ship has been just pushing the button over and over and over and over (laughs) because he's not going to know when the pattern enhancers are there. They they don't have any sensors that work. So I guess he's just going, energize, energize, (laughs) energize, (laughs) energize. So when Riker turns it, it's like, you
2: You know, know, but if if any of us, if any of us had
0: ever in our teen years tried calling a radio station to like win concert tickets, you know how that goes. Redial, (laughs) redial, redial, redial. (laughs) And then you give up.
1: The redial button
0: was doing that on
2: a rotary phone. Oh my I was God. just
1: going to say the redial button was an amazing invention. Cause it's just like, boop, 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 and it's Yeah, it. you don't have to sit and turn the things. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, okay. They get back to the ship. Yeah. Troy and comes to violently in a terrifying way. I was yes. like, what the heck? You know? And I, I knew that they were taken over by these, these life forms just because I read the uh, description. <laughs> so I was like, Okay. Is it, do they know they're taking over? Cause sometimes they don't know. Sometimes seems they do. Like they know. Don't it seems like they don't know. Like she seems disoriented, mm-hmm. but
0: herself, like data seems like himself. Miles seems nothing seems out of the you ordinary. Know, I, I want to push back
2: on that. Cause when I was watching that scene, when um, Troy wakes up in the background, miles is sitting on his table and data's right behind him. And I can see a different body language on them. I mean, miles you is could. sitting in a way miles is sitting with his hand on his, on his thigh and I immediately said, that's different body posture. That's different posture. So
0: interesting that you picked up on that. I did not. I was like,
2: mm, everybody seems like normal. Troy's- I just don't hate O'Brien as much as you do.
0: I guess. He's <laughs> just, I don't hate him. He's just such a third wheel. Ugh.
1: Yeah, but true, like- he is. <laughs> He's just a non entity in Enterprise. He's, I mean, in TNG. He just shows up randomly, doesn't do anything. Every once in a while, he does something cool. But like I said, in Deep Space Nine, I was I was amazed because I didn't really rewatch that show until um, we started this podcast and I started watching the show. And I was like, oh, wow, there's like a whole character here. Yeah. Why was it this guy part of why? Would, yeah, where were you, dude? We could have just skipped TNG and just put him on that show. Well, anyways, um, they are going into the, the only thing that's a little bit weird is when they're in the turbo lift Data's speech glitches, which mm-hmm. I believe is a first to my recollection, that we've heard this particular thing happen to data. And that Ma- yeah.
2: Do you think that was data trying to say something? Because because the quote was um, missing data. It was oh. garble-gobble, missing data. Ooh. So it's like a, like a little data glitch. Like the real data was trying to say, hey, I'm in here. Ooh, I wonder.
0: I mean, I, that was... I don't know if I've heard glitches. Remember in the pilot episode, he was trying to whistle and he couldn't do it well, but yeah. like, that's kind of the
1: only thing, but this, yeah. Maybe when Lord did something to him possibly or something. Yeah. But I don't, I, wonder, I don't think so. I think it makes this me wonder, to my how they did it. the first one. Yeah. And it, it sounds super cool. I was just like, it is kind of like, Oh yeah. Data is an Android, right? Like it's that memory. Yes. Like, oh, he does have speech processors, not just like vocal cords. Yeah. Um, but that's the only thing that seems a little bit off. But again, as they're kind of walking to the bridge and stuff, I'm like, Hmm do they know yet? Do they Are they aware? Like, what is this consciousness happening? Consciousness swap situation yeah. right now? Because yeah. sometimes when they have mind control situations, it's turned on and off. Sometimes it's turned up gradually. So I really I really didn't know. And then when Troy storms onto the bridge and is like, Captain, I need to talk to you right away. And when she goes in to talk to him, I was like, she actually still sounds like Troy. So I was mm-hmm. like, "Hmm, that's interesting. That's what I thought. I was like, did these life forms like enact like and go, you know, or something. Because- yeah, like because they had no time to talk to each other privately. Yeah. As far as we've seen, they've been in sick bay totally. and then they were with Riker. So we're like, when did they coordinate these these efforts? Which is another good question. Like, did they communicate as little balls of light telepathically, or something? Like, mm-hmm. are they communicating with each other? I guess not, because Troy doesn't know what happens next. But anyways, it's just like, how did they coordinate this? And also, when they take over the consciousness, apparently they also take over all of their memories of the host, which is mind-blowing like this is super these are some super fascinating alien consciousness mm-hmm. spirit yeah they're using whatever. they're
0: using the body in whatever means that they need to so physically but also can like harvest data from the brain like that is
2: that is actually a really really cool idea i'm um, not sure if they knew knew everything they may have just accessed the top layers of information
0: they maybe could have but the way troy is like if I were, you know, if this host body were to be like counseling Picard on what to do, these would be the steps that she would do like first. And I was like, Oh, yeah. that's interesting that like, that's you true. know, that and also scary. Cause now you're using it to your advantage against Picard and everybody. Um, so yeah, Deanna's like, Hey, I really need to talk to you. I, I really feel this like strong pull towards the Southern pole of the planet and uh, like out of the ready room on the bridge data is saying we should probably start coordinating our search and create this like systematic like top to bottom or bottom to top search of the planet let's start at the southern Pole and Riker's like yeah but like
1: we're gonna let's go ahead just and start here let's just start here where let's we are, where we are. yeah
0: yeah we can it's a sphere you can go in any direction so it's whatever um and before you know it Ensign Rowe was like uh commander did you override the heading and Riker's like data. Why are we heading towards the Southern Pole again? What's going on? Data doesn't respond. And then like Kung Fu knocks him across the bridge. And I was like, oh, oh, this is bad.
1: Yeah, it was so sudden. I did not see that coming at all. Suddenly we're in an action movie. It went from like all of a sudden. heading 4.5, 3.2, whatever. And then suddenly Data hits <laughs> Riker. Riker goes flying. Worf tries to shoot Data. And then- um
2: for ensign some reason roe o'brien
1: is still on the, on the bridge we don't know why he's still there but he's still what shouldn't she be in the transporter room but he's still there so he knocks out wharf so then roe tries to dock out o'brien so then o'brien knocks out roe and you're just like back and forth and back and forth yeah and it happens all so fast on, well and so and fast. the
2: fact that o'brien's a better shot than ensign roe that, that's i call bullshit on that
1: <laughs> yes agreed uh, agreed roe uh, is gonna uh, be clearly the best shot on that bridge her and yeah and she Worf, is but like they're the fighters and Ryan is not. Again,
0: where do they get phasers from? I know you didn't come to your, to like report to duty
1: on the bridge (laughs) with just a phaser on your hip, just walking around. Where are the the away team, right? Phasers come from. They had phasers in sick bay. Like what was going on? Y'all, y'all just got in the turbo lift. Who knows? But they all had phasers. Everyone had phasers. There's a huge phaser fight. And Picard's like, what's that noise? And he turns around And Troy knocks him out. And I was like, oh, so they do know. They Mm -hmm. all know who they are. She
0: used that same double-fisted punch that she used on Jev and took Picard down, like threw him into a wall and knocked his ass cold out. I was like,
1: oh my God. But as all this battle is going on, Riker kind of stumbles up, you know, and he's just like, computer security lockout, record 301 or whatever. And it's like, yeah, yep. everything shuts down as Data's on it. And he, Data's like, ah! And he gets all mad and hits the hits the panel, which is really fun because you never get to see this character be yes. mad at all or frustrated or anything.
0: Well, Android strength is always fun. You know, like when Data always yeah. like pries doors yeah. open to save people out I'm of burning buildings. i didn't back. smash the panel. I'm surprised he didn't smash it either. I did love that the that director's choice- That would have been more choice. realistic. Yeah, been more realistic.
2: I, I
1: did
0: love the director's choice of having- the shot be on the panel and when the panel goes black you just see data's reflection like smashing at it and i was like "Ooh! not only do you have android
1: strength but you have angry android strength like this is hella cool he should have yeah, put a am, dent in it and then you would have known that his strength is greater than a human's and been like aha and you yeah. would have totally used that which he didn't really use well um, he, he did
0: he did when he smashed that panel like in the hallway later but yeah i was like if you smash that hallway panel using just like his forearm his right. whole fist coming down on a calm panel probably would have broke that thing like right out of the floor but whatever it looked really cool though um and i love that data and o'brien and troy kind of all come together and she's like what happened he would have he would have moved to the southern pole for me like why didn't you wait but this and is he would have
2: see. moved to
1: the so- southern because he trusts her he, trusts right. her. he yeah.
0: totally trusts her he would have done it like she's how many but times now, has Troy yeah. said, I get a sense that X, Y, Z, and he's like, the
2: okay, we're going like, to go with Let's that. Let's go.
1: Mm-hmm. So, the, you know, lucky for in, them.
2: invading d- data though was so trigger happy. I mean, yep. he's just violent through the whole thing. Yeah. Yes. That is That's a super thing. violent. He was not patient. Criminal.
1: And he also said like, she, when she was like, what happened? He was just like, he wouldn't move to the Southern pole. And she was like, he would have done it. The captain would have done it for me in like two more minutes. All you had to do was mm-hmm. wait. And th- yeah, that character is very impulsive, which is yes. lucky for them because they would have absolutely done it for they would have done it they wouldn't have known anything was wrong until it was far too late but yeah. because this got escalated so fast it went from like a let's try to trick them situation to a massive hostage situation yes they go storming out they go tearing through the ship rikers fine worf is fine ro is fine so they all had phasers but they were all set on like minimum stun so that's that's lucky um, yes. Capard, yeah. I guess he's to totally
0: unfazed. He's there. To- yeah. He's like. Yeah. He comes out like massaging his neck. Like, what happened? I will say a couple of things about this. I love how quickly the command team enacts emergency procedures against Troy and Dayton O'Brien. Yeah. They never bother to even calm them to be like Counselor Troy. Like, what is going on? Because if this is a a person that you work with that you trust mm-hmm. in life and death situations, if they start acting strangely, my first thing would be like, I th- we need to talk right away. Like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. But immediately they're like invaders. Yep. Shut everything
1: down. They're well, like, like, we don't oh, know what happened to them, but they are not on the group plan.
2: They are not <laughs> basically what they're happened. Very there. much not on the group plan. Yeah. Future memory. I mean, we 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 would react in the way that we react because we live now, but they live in the future. This is so true. They, <laughs> they have a different perspective. Yeah, <laughs> they're, they're like
1: military. invaders. And I think military has that training of, you know, when there's danger, here's what you do, and they train military and and I guess like police force and FBI and stuff like that. They have they train for these kinds of situations. And they train really, really hard so they don't have to think in these situations. They yes, just automatically hope
2: like, that they train really, really hard so they don't have to think.
1: Yes. Yeah, I mean, that that's the point of the training. They have to literally go against human nature because human nature would be, hey, Bob, what's wrong? You know, mm-hmm. but like if Bob's got a shotgun and he's coming up into the office, like it's emergency procedure. Yeah, Bob No time to be like. Yeah, yeah, you can be. You can be all friendly once he's contained. Once everything's safe, then after everything is okay and he's in handcuffs, you can be like, "Hey, Bob, what's wrong?" Right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's like a time and a place. And um, and I, I kind of, I buy that because they're all military. That they're like super trained and they know their friends have gone off the deep end, and all they know is they try to take over the ship, and they're not taking the ship. They are yeah. not taking this shit. Yeah. Show. We can have a talk about this when you're like in the brig. When you're, it's when you're saying again, because yeah. we don't know what's going on right now.
0: It, so It was, it was nice to see that the Roga Danar school of um, detect, you know, evading detection is still up and running because yes. I love these scenes when like, you know, security team is trying to lock shit down and whoever's escaping and evading is just like two steps ahead of them every time, you know, they, they shut down the turbo lift and then the security team swarms the turbo lift only to find like their comm badges on the floor and then they set up force fields and then data smashes the panel and uses his like android body as like a conductor to like short out the force field and then they keep going i was like damn this is roga danar's like escaping detection and like evading arrest like i love to see this and they Bust in on 10 forward. And this is where the problem starts for me because Keiko is in there with a screaming baby that's been like red in the face, so has been screaming for a long time. And it feels to me like the people who I can only imagine why will take like an infant to like a movie theater and then the baby cries the whole time in the movie. It's like, please get up and leave with the bait. Please go. You have quarters that you can be hanging out in. And Keiko, I'm sorry, but her little like, sh-
1: but see, here's my thing. Okay,
2: here's no, my thing Keiko. With this scene.
1: I hear you that when a baby is crying in a movie theater, you need to take that baby out of the movie theater. Cause why did you bring an infant to a movie theater? Right? Like I get that. But some other times, like in this case, before they walked in, I, I don't have any excuse for her, but after they walked in. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. but like, what do you expect her to do? She doesn't have diapers. She doesn't have formula. She doesn't have a, she doesn't have a binky. She doesn't have a bottle. She doesn't have a she, crib. She
2: can't whip a boob out on TV in, in 1989. Right, And who
1: who knows even if, if they've been breastfeed in the 24th century. So it's just like <laughs> at this, this point, what true. exactly, what exactly do you expect her to do to calm this baby? She can't. She can't put the baby to bed. She can't feed the baby. I'm not worried about
0: about what happens after the hostage situation starts like that. She's kind of screwed, you know, at the very, at the most, she could probably just like get up and kind of do that, like jiggly walk where you walk Mm -hmm. and like bounce the baby at most. That's what she could have done. But like nothing, if the baby needs to be changed
1: or sleep or eat, it's going to do nothing. I I get that,
0: but I'm not talking about once the hostage situation starts, I'm talking about everything is cool and chill and 10 forward. And she's just, I mean, how many times have we seen like a mom at like a coffee shop with the baby that won't stop screaming. And it's like, at some Never. point you got to take that <laughs> kid out of there.
2: Well, and Keiko was alone too. She, when they walked in, she was by herself. She wasn't even with anybody. Yeah. So Who goes gonna... to 10 forward by yourself with your baby? Screaming. <laughs> screaming All right. you, guys, baby. you guys
1: have a good point. Why? Well, the baby wasn't screaming at first. The baby was like cooing and she was Just showing off. The no, baby no, no she was, she was
0: crying the whole time. Like from the first minute we saw Keiko in 10 forward, that baby was like, wailing and screaming her head off. And that's when I was like, girl, it's time for you to take that baby home.
1: And if you had done that, none of the rest of this would have happened.
0: Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
1: (laughs) Molly wouldn't have been a freaking hostage if Keiko
0: would have just accepted the rules of society and not created this giant faux pas by taking this howling infant, like, and just leaving, like, just hanging out with her there for like hours and 10 forward. I was like, girl, get that baby home, please. We're all here to try to have a drink and play some like space chess. Nobody needs to hear the screaming baby. Oh. Anyway, okay, candace you're actually you're the you're the one among us who's
2: a mom. Oh, what's your okay. take? What's your take on this? I, I wouldn't have had. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have had Molly in, in the ten forward. I wouldn't have taken her there. And that's why we can be friends.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that was the only right answer. By the way, there was no other answer she could
2: have possibly said right now. But, but as a but as somebody who appreciates movie plots and twists she had to the character keiko had to be there in 10 forward so yeah. that there could be a conflict with o'brien yeah so that the, you know because there wasn't any really anything else written for the o'brien entity mm-hmm. other than that scene where he's just awful nasty rapist right yes um, totally so so um they had to do something to add a little nuance and flavor to that to that entity it would have been just like most o'brien scenes just an extra character
1: while this is going on, they have this amazing action sequence where they just evade everything. They end up in 10 forward instead of engineering for some reason, probably because the deck they had to get off on. They couldn't go where they oh, were trying to go. that's a good um, point. Yeah, because they stopped the turbo lifts. They put up the force field. They blocked the Jeffrey's tubes, I'm sure. At least they should have that in their protocols at some point from all the people who escaped through Jeffrey's tubes. And so they end up in 10 forward and they're just like, they walk in and everybody's like, er, what's going on? And Keiko's even like, Miles? And then Worf runs in with the security team, and then a huge phaser fight breaks out. Worf actually shoots at I think Troy or something, or maybe Miles. And I was like, "Fool! There's a whole crowd of unarmed pedestrians behind him who fires into a. You are the head of security, sir.
2: What are you the pedestrians doing? Pedestrians right did get the the the. There were a couple of people from, that were just hanging out in Ward who did get shot. So at least that part was realistic.
1: Because Yeah, because Troy turned around and started shooting everyone she could find. She was just like, pew, pew, pew. I was like, these people are just, they, if they stand up, if they sit down, if they look at her funny, she's just shooting everybody in there. And I was like, Worf started this. You do not run into a room full of uh, just a crowd of people civilians, and start shooting yeah. full of civilians who are just like sipping their tea. Like that I thought was- a horrible decision and then the fact that everyone starts getting shot i was like oh my gosh this is terrifying and then you just see keiko and the baby like climb behind some table that fell over and she's just like i hope i don't get shot i hope we don't get shot i hope we don't get shot and i just thought this is a really terrifying scenario right now even though the phasers were not on like kill still um i wouldn't want to get hit with it phaser. speaks it speaks
0: to, it hits too close to home for all the gun violence that we are experiencing in our country currently that it's like this is a scenario that could actually happen and you mm-hmm. replace phasers with guns and it's exactly like i live in a very safe neighborhood and two blocks away there was a shooting and it's like uh, last week and the whole neighborhood has been like shook up about it right but it's like oh my god and literally people were having like a block party when all this happened so yeah. you're just out eating a hot dog enjoying some summer air and chatting with the neighbors you're at 10 forward having yourself a tea and trying to tolerate the screaming child and man <laughs> like all of a sudden it's like this huge gunfight with a bunch of civilians you're right like yeah. that's such horrible planning like I, i've said it before and i'll say it again
2: Worf is not good at his job Mm-mm. he's not Mm-mm. he's too cling. well he is a klingon you know he has his in klingon instinct i
1: would have been but, okay um, if he ran in there with a bat left i would have been fine with he, that. yeah because the bat left would have been very specific to the person he was trying to cut in half it wouldn't yeah, I,
2: I don't understand why as a klingon he doesn't carry his bat left he, i mean he should I don't care if he's a Star Trek star, star yeah, Because it's or super star, heavy. Star, what is it? Star Federation officer. He should still be able to carry the weapon of choice for a Klingon.
0: <laughs> I mean, I it would, them. it would sure as hell make a lot more sense for this gunfight at the okay corral that like went down, Yeah, but yeah, and, it was
2: awful. But you know what? Again, uh, looking back at it, it was 25 or 30 years ago and we, they didn't have the gun violence that we have today.
0: Yes. Then,
2: yeah, I mean, I don't think they'd ever ever been a school shooting when I was a teenager ever. No, no, like mass so, shootings, yeah.
0: mass shootings were not a thing. I'm I'm sure they happened at some points in history but not with the like alarming frequency that we have today. Yeah. So yeah, no, it, it, that one actually for me was a little bit tough to watch cuz I was like, "Oh my god, you replace faces with guns and it could be anywhere in America at this mm-hmm. point." Yeah. Which is really freaking terrifying. Which is
2: another way that Star Trek has told the future. <laughs> yeah,
0: I guess it kind of has. Well, Interesting little story point about this is that none of the like invaders, like none of the imposters seem to be affected whatsoever by the phasers. It's like getting hit with like a Nerf pellet or something where it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, like they feel it and like nothing, right? Well, so, and also they're 200, by- three,
2: they're two or 300 years old and they still have the reactions that they had when they were when they were in you know bodies.
0: Well, I think, I think that they, they just took over like the host bodies and you, cause like they did, you know, data used his data strength a few times for things. Like he picked up Picard and choked him later in the episode. He like smashed the panels. Like, I think they just use like their, the strength of their host, but um, Picard immediately tries to like reason with the invaders. And Troy is like, move the ship to the Southern pole of the moon, or I will start killing people. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, there's literally nothing you can do as Picard. It's like you have a ton of hostages in 10 forwarders. It's a smart place to go if you want to have a hostage situation. It is a smart so, place to go. They ended up in the place. right place.
1: And they also, because they have, well, I feel like all you really need is Data. Data is the ace in the hole because he knows everything about everything. But in yes. this case, O'Brien was super impactful because together they all work together to isolate 10 ford's computer systems from all the rest of the ship so they they just completely shut down 10 forward for that for their own purposes so that the bridge or anywhere else couldn't do anything they couldn't get in there they couldn't take lock things down they couldn't beam people out there was no technology that could save them and um picard goes turns to beverly and is like redo those scans because something weird happened with those three when they came back off the planet and for some reason, Riker still seems okay. But I feel like if, <laughs> if I was in Picard's shoes, I'd be like, and Riker, take him too. You know what I mean? Cause like, what if he's some kind of Trojan horse? He was there with them. The other three have lost their minds. I would be like, yeah, why don't you go ahead, uh, go with Beverly. We're going to put some force fields around just, just to scan. Um, and just make sure that that was all okay. Um, but I have a point, right? Cause you're like, yeah, Riker seems like he's okay, but the other ones seem like they were okay too. Yeah. So, anyways, like everybody who was down on the planet meet in sick bay. Yes. So Beverly scans show that there is basically a superimposed life form in their neural patterns. So there is, she, she very quickly figures this out. Like there's some other pattern and it's probably a life form and it's taking yes. over the brain and their bodies. And so this is actually a really kind of, Big question mark moment for the crew, you know, for Picard and the rest to say, okay, now we know that there's a life form that's taken over their minds and their bodies. But then the question is, are they still alive in there? Yeah. You know, is Troy still there or is Troy gone? And now something has completely taken over her body forever, which is really sad to think you could lose a friend that way. Um, it's awful. So yeah. they're like, well, Riker's like, why didn't I get affected? And Beverly figures that out in two seconds too. We got the the crusher genius. I thought the same here. thing. I was like, boy, that was fast.
0: She's like, there's this anionic electrical phenomenon that's invaded their brains. And, and Riker, you were probably spared because you were in pain over your broken arm and your pain receptors were firing, which blocked the ball of energy. And maybe if we, you know, like cause the crew, like some like superficial pain, the anionic electrical phenomenon will leak. I was like, Damn, that took like one second, Beverly. That's a little fast, even by Beverly well, standards. You know,
2: you, you don't become the chief medical officer on the federation's you know flagship, flagship. ship. I guess <laughs> without without being super smart, right? I guess she this was, was like, some,
1: this was some Wesley level smarts though, because she figured it it really out really so much faster. But she's than she mom.
2: Does. She's mo- Wesley's mama, so of course <laughs> she's smart.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's super smart. She figured it out with like no effort. So yay for her. And then the question was, okay, once we cause pain and get those life forms to leave, how do we trap them? So she figures, well, they were trapped in that cloud on the planet. So if I just kind of remake whatever was going on in that cloud, it could probably trap them here too. So she figures mm-hmm. even that out and it's going to take about an hour to design mm-hmm. the whatever that's going to make this. Force field or beam or whatever happen that can trap these beams of light, which is super important because one, you know, as Jordy said, we need something that neutralizes data. If it doesn't neutralize data, it doesn't count because they were like, there's oh, we'll no just point. We'll just put the anesthetic gas and just knock everybody out, but it won't work on data. So if it doesn't work on all three yeah. of them, there's no point. So it has to be something that pin. works on data. He's the linchpin. And then secondarily, once the little balls of light are out of them, they could just float into the next guy and then the next guy and then the next guy. So we have to find some way to keep them from doing that and then take those little balls of light, kick them off our effing ship. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take Beverly about an hour to figure this out. In the meantime, they're like, all right, how do we figure out how to do this? And um, Roe and Jordy put their heads together and they're like, we've got a plan you know, we can go in, we can drill a little hole, which is such FBI, FBI tactics too, when there's a hostage situation, at least on TV. I don't know if they do. Yeah. But on TV, they drill a little hole, they put in the camera, they see what's up. Like they do all this stuff. They drop the flashbangs. So they're like, we can drill a little hole in the ceiling and we can see what's going on. Um, which by the way, I love the scene when they actually do it because the hole they drill is like, it's like minuscule. It's like a pinprick but the device they use is gigantic. Yes. It's like bigger than a printer. <laughs> it's like a keg.
2: Yeah, it's, it's like, like a beer a keg. keg. <laughs>
1: it's like a beer keg that they're dragging through the Jeffreys tubes, which I just I just love well, the technology so much. And
2: they're up there in that Jeffreys tube for an hour while they're waiting for Beverly. I mean, they're just hanging out in this Jeffreys tube I think, tube had, I think it was going to take them a while to build
1: that machine. So they had to build it and then it was taking them a while to calibrate it. So they built the thing and then they were like, because remember Jordi was like, oh, Picard, it's going to take such and such time for us to get all the calibrations mm-hmm. down. And he was like, mm-hmm. all right, Beverly That's your time frame. Get it done in that amount of time. So yeah, they were in the Jeffrey's tube for like forty-five minutes, going boop a little to the right, boop a little to the left, (laughs) and and somehow the circle was gonna line up on the three of them as long as they stood together. This plan was gonna work, and I thought
2: you might need an inside man to make sure they stand. And then all three of them are in the circle, and then they have to have dialogue about it. That was my thing too. That
0: drove me nuts. Even as a kid watching this for the first time, you know. Ensign Roe and Jordy are like, okay, they need to be in the circle. Why? We don't, why can't you just flood the entire room with that painful, like the pain beam? And then that way everybody would be in pain. So even if those like light beams fly out of them, everybody else will be in pain. So like nobody, nobody else can get like invaded, but okay. So we've got this little circle and we've got the three invaders standing in this little circle for what feels like 45 minutes before Roe was like (laughs) three, two oh what was that Jordy? oh nothing okay three three quarters two I was like god damn it just fire the thing and of course as they're getting ready to fire Data walks out of the circle and so it doesn't work like it works on you know on um Troy and O'Brien yeah on Miles and Troy but like ah it it sucks and at this point Picard has traded places with the hostages he's like if you let those who need medical attention go, I will trade places with you. So we have a couple of developments that have happened up to this point. Counselor Troy says, Um, I am actually Captain Schumar of the Essex. The Essex was caught in the electromagnetic storm and the bridge was struck by lightning. And as the ship was ripped apart, our consciousness was absorbed into the magnetic storm, which I'm like, okay, okay, movie magic.
1: I mean, she and, did say, We don't know how, we just know that. And I thought we that just was, know that it happened. That's fair.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because any kind of explanation they're going to give us is probably not going to be that great. Mm -hmm. So it's like, all right, so it happened. So at this point, we're assuming that Troy is Captain Schumar, right? And Captain Schumar is like, you're going to beam up the skeletal remains from the Essex and transport them to Earth for a proper burial. We are not asking for a lot, and because does sound
1: very reasonable.
0: Super reasonable. And 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 Picard was like, there's no need for all of this. Like, we'll gladly transport your remains back to home, you know, back to Earth for like a burial. But Troy's like, I wish I could believe you, right? And we and we can see like even Picard does not believe that Troy really is like Captain Schumer. Yeah, Troy so it's like, okay, Picard,
1: just- Picard doesn't believe Troy. There is no yeah. trust here, there's no love lost. And yeah. because because the entity, you know, Schumar knows Troy's knows Troy. Um, Troy also knows Picard, so Schumar knows Picard. So Schumar's yeah. like, I know that you don't trust me and I don't, and I don't trust you. Like mm-hmm. I already know. And she says many, many times, I know you don't believe me. I know you mm-hmm. don't trust me. Even now you don't trust me. So she's like, that's why I need hostages because that's you're not going to listen. to Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. So a, a little trivia on the Essex. So it was destroyed in 2167, 200 years before, you know, the the episode takes place at 2167. That's um, really um, in terms of the life of the Federation, and I may be wrong here, but that's like at the very beginning of the Federation. So Ooh. the standards of a Federation officer may or may not be different, but Schumar was not acting like a Federation officer.
0: Definitely. That was the same thing I thought, and Picard said the same too, where it's like, towards the tail end of the episode, Picard's like, wouldn't you think that Schumar would be much better behaved
2: than... Yeah. way that he's behaving like in the body of ncc 173 which if it's in in chronological order 173 is pretty low on the you know
0: (laughs) i know know because the enterprise is 1701 so we're Uh we're in the low 100s yeah (laughs) it's been a while there's been a lot of ships there's been a lot of ships
2: because we're here at the essex i just want to drop some info um the uss essex was actually named after two different uss ships you know united states ships the first one was decommissioned in like 1972. No, it, it was 1969, um, and the second USS Essex was a Wasp class landing helicopter dock, um, and it's still in service today. And that was cool. uh, commissioned in 1990, or, ni- or no, 90. It was launched in 91. So the Essex was a, a ship that was actually, I, I think, because they they named all these ships after the enterprise is named after an enterprise i mean they Mm -hmm. they named all these ships after real ships ships.
0: yeah real Real ships ships. so um
2: yeah so that's what the the essex is a wasp class boat that helicopters land on so so there's there's my navy trivia for you right there
0: there you go and then like 200 years after this it crashes on this
2: moon yeah so there's another essex (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for giving us that. I
1: like, I really like like Wasp class and Daedalus class and all this stuff. Like, I don't know what those mean. And they don't mean anything at all to me, but Mm -hmm. the words are very cool. That's true. And and it makes it sound (laughs) very much like a superhero thing. Like it's, it's a very, very, very cool names. So they try this. You know who
2: Daedalus was, right?
1: No.
0: Daedalus was. he was the, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead, Candace. This was no, your, you're, this the your you're the oh,
2: teacher, you're oh. the teacher, and you're gonna have a better. In-
0: <laughs> well, I, I only know about Daedalus because I'm obsessed with Greek mythology, but Daedalus was a master craftsman.
2: Who oh, yeah, was, I remember,
0: was a mortal who was so good at his skill and craft that, like, he basically was like captured by <clears throat> a Titan nymph uh, Pasiphae, who like kept him like imprisoned um, on her island of Crete and he would like make wonders for her he had a son Icarus who they later escaped as Daedalus made those like big wax wings and they jumped off of a cliff to like escape Crete Um, and Icarus had spent his entire life in captivity and in confinement. So it was like his first taste of freedom and was like, so excited to get to be like flying on these giant wings. And he flew too close to the sun and the sun melted the wax and he fell down into the ocean and died. And that was super sad. But Daedalus was a a very, very interesting character. And um, one of my all-time favorite books, Cersei tells the story, like that perspective of like who Daedalus was and how like as a mortal, gods don't take the time to know your name. Cause by the time we learn your name, like you're dead already. So you have to be like a Titan among mortals to like catch their attention, which I was like, Ooh, cool. That was kind of nice to hear Daedalus's name again. I was like, Hey, I know you <laughs> kind of, <laughs> I know of you in stories sort of anyway,
2: she, she did a much better job of explaining who he was. than I would have, I would have just said he was a Greek dude who made stuff.
0: <laughs> that's probably Dangest. this episode is going to run so long. That's probably should have just been what happened anyway anyway um so this this pain circle doesn't work it does not work and data is the one who's left standing outside of it so he sees what's happening to his fellow imposters and grabs picard because he's impulsive grabs picard by the throat and lifts him by the throat and he's like stop this or i will kill everybody in this room and it's like oh and he would and he would And this
2: is that point where you know that the director is not the director who normally directs because the close-up on that, that Data and Picard scene is so close.
0: (laughs) It is. It's (laughs) like- Major close-up. You could see like pores. (laughs) Yeah, it was super close. Um, Now at this point, Captain is like, okay,
1: calls it off. (sighs) Calls it off. Troy gets up and she is none too pleased. (laughs) She's like furious. And so they're like, you know what? Like, we can't, we can't trust you to do what we want you to do. We need you to just, send all the transporter commands to us so that we can transport our skeletal remains on the ship because we can't even trust you guys to do that.
2: Mm -hmm. Clearly Mm
1: -hmm. we can't trust you to keep your word. So then Picard goes, okay, how about this? We go to cargo bay Four. um, you, you know, you can leave all the hostages here, go there. I'll guarantee you safety, safe passage all the way there. Mm -hmm. And you can transport to your heart's desire and they're like how can we trust you we can't trust him he's lying all this stuff and yeah. then they're like okay here's what we're going to do we're going to take some hostages for our protection and safety give us all the transporter codes and um and we will do this deal so they do and i love that earlier when when Picard left to go be ho- be a hostage he told Riker i want you to make every take every you know chance that you can to try to end this conflict but if it doesn't work i will provide you with an opportunity like i'll figure it out and here, when he's giving them safe passage, he comes over to Riker and he's like, this is an opportunity, number one. This is an opportunity. And he's like, aha, we're going to Cargo Bay 4. So they are like, okay. So they get safe passage. They take some hostages. Of course, Data takes Worf because he's been trying to punk Worf this whole time. Troy takes Picard because it's like captain to captain. And Miles takes Keiko because he's a creep. And he's been like leering at her for the last 45 minutes so she major leaves the, creep yeah she leaves the and baby tried like, to like make out with her and grab her Ugh. Ugh. so she so leaves gross. the baby with some random like babysitter who pops up in 10 forward because why not um and she please let the baby say i'm like really you're gonna kidnap her and her baby come on like come on miles get it together so he's a creep so he takes her and they get to cargo bay just fine and um this this when they're in there and they're you know Messing with the transporter pad and O'Brien's trying to bring up the skeletal remains or whatever. Before Troy explains everything, I was I was also wondering why Cargo Bay Four, like I don't understand what the opportunity is. And so was Roe. <laughs> so Riker explains to Roe, there's only one reason why he would pick Cargo Bay Four. And I was like, What's the one reason? What's special about Cargo Bay Four? Like other than Cargo Bay three or two or 27? Like, who mm-hmm. cares? And then he says, because there's um I guess Cargo Bay Four also doubles as a shuttle bay or something because it's got a blast door that you can open out into the vacuum of space so he was like if this doesn't go well like if we can't have them stand down and get the hostages free we're just going to blow the shuttle bay we're just going to blow the door in cargo bay four and kill them all and it's like oh my gosh the stakes these are the kind of decisions i cannot make which is why i would not be on the bridge of which is why i wouldn't be on a ship i just wouldn't be on the ship i'd be at home Painting or making or well, I just couldn't do this. This is like so much pressure. Like not
0: being in the military. Yeah. And
1: how many times has Riker had to like almost kill Picard or Picard had to almost kill Riker or they have to make these decisions where they're like close the blast doors. It sucks that people are in there, but if we don't do that, we're going to kill everybody else. It's just really hard decisions.
2: Yeah. So Riker, even Keiko is standing by that decision. Yeah. I do anything to protect my child. They have yeah. This, which yeah, They have good mom. Good mom call.
1: Beautiful moment where R- Riker is ready to push the button if need be. And um, they have the standoff. But before they have the standoff, they find out the truth. They find out that, surprise, surprise, it's not really Captain Schumacher. Yes. (laughs) And is anyone surprised? No. No one's surprised at this point. But as they're beaming up the quote unquote skeletal remains, Troy spills the beans. And she's like, all right you're right, card. I'm not really Captain Schumar. <laughs> but I did absorb all his memories, which is why I knew all those dates and facts and figures when you were trying to test me and see if I was really Captain Schumar. So she's like, what happened was, is our consciousnesses were stripped from our bodies and stuck on this moon. It's a penal colony. It's a prison. And our consciousness, all of us have been imprisoned on this moon for over 500 years, which I thought was like, some that's not a
0: life punishment. sentence. That's like an eternity sentence. That's that's like yeah, that's
2: cruelty crazy. beyond cruelty. It's, it's I don't so care cruel, how much yeah. of a criminal you are. Yeah, yeah, they're all,
0: die. yeah, they're all condemned prisoners, and they've just been floating around there for five hundred years. And they Awful. they almost got off the moon with the Essex, but the Essex wasn't powerful enough to escape like the M, the EM storms.
2: Well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the 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 not cruel thing to do the kind thing to do would just be to destroy the moon so they all die yes
0: that's what i thought that's yeah, what but i you thought you can't too. just
2: destroy
1: a moon like well, moons are important for
2: planets you can't, can't just send like, moon. Moon. Can okay, you send, like photons. okay sci- photons and them. like clouds.
1: like you can destroy a moon but you shouldn't
2: <laughs> you yeah, should not there, destroy I mean, this there's, there's got to be some, some there's got to be some way to like, like end euthanasia them? that's what i'm looking for yeah Euthanize yeah because yeah. that's yeah. just cruel beyond cruelty
1: I don't know. And I don't think even
2: the people who, who are on the planet that, that created this penal colony, they might not even be around anymore. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It was
1: probably
0: like unexpected because they said like they were dropped off there and like something about the electromagnetic storms like stripped their consciousness out of their bodies. Well, so, yeah. no. So
1: that was Tro- Troy's. Troy said that the electromagnetic storm stripped their mind when she was Captain Schumar. Ah. But now she's telling the truth and saying that this was their punishment. On their planet, in their uh, system, their consciousnesses yes. Uxmal, were ripped out of their bodies and then deposited on this moon as a punishment. Like this was done on purpose, which is Ew. just awful. And it's actually impressive that these three are not totally insane because mm-hmm. you would you would be totally insane. But they are like clever and cunning and like collected. And even the little bit of, you know, even the miles being a creep and even data being trigger happy is nothing compared to 500 years of imprisonment and what that would of do. insanity. Yeah, yeah no, mind. that would that would so, drive anybody insane. So we find out that that happens. She's like, "We're not transporting up our skeletal remains. We're transporting up all of our fellow inmates, so that we can take over these thousand bodies on the ship and finally escape this prison and mm-hmm. have a body again and have a life again." It does beg some questions like when that body dies, what happens to their consciousness? Now, does it pop into another body? I don't know. There's there's still some questions here, but this yeah. is their this is their chance to escape because the Enterprise is in orbit. Whereas the Essex had crashed and they were trying to get it back out, and then it crashed again. Yeah, but the Enterprise is in orbit, and um, they're like, "This is our chance to finally escape." So that's when that's when Picard's like, "Actually, no." You know, Beverly floods the thing with her magical Gas. powers that yeah, yeah that trap the entities, and they're like, "You better let you better let them go, or else." And Picard's like, "No, your bargaining chips are officially done. Now that I know the whole story, you're trying to beam up all your friends. No." We will just blow this door and suck everybody out into space. Me, you, all of them. Mm -hmm. And Data's like, that's crazy. You would die. And he's like, I would absolutely die to save this crew. And you know the officers that you guys are inhabiting. They would die as well. And that's when Keiko steps up and is like, I would happily die for my baby. And that's when Worf steps up. And he's like, it's always a good day to die. I'm Klingon. You know, Mm -hmm. and they're like, crap. You know, they're trying to call their bluff. And they know these characters. They know these crew members. They know they will absolutely 100% die Rather than let these people invade their minds and take their ship and fly off to their planets. That's not happening. That's not happening. Yeah. So they're just kind of like, all right, fine. And then Troy says, you better not pass this way again, Picard. It's like, what do you think you think he's gonna come here for summer vacation? Yeah. Yeah. What are they gonna do? How are they gonna
2: get out if they can't get off the moon before? How are they gonna get off the moon? Yeah,
1: yeah. And
2: uh
0: now knowing what he knows, Picard is gonna set up some like buoys all around the moon to be like, do not
1: this planet, don't
0: come to this
2: moon. The and and, and the Federation is full of really curious people who are gonna wanna study the colony too. You know, they're gonna wanna study the moon and study how they did. Yeah, there's always there's always scientists who want to study these things.
0: Well, they end up, you know, Troy and Miles and Data's bodies get released by the entities who, like, float back with their, like, compatriots and get transported back to the moon. And it felt really cruel to me. It felt like shades of, like, Vagra yeah. 2. It felt yeah. like shades of Armis, where they just left Armis like, screaming in agony and, like, despair and insanity. And that's what it felt like. And I was like, damn, that was ice cold. Although maybe this would have gone differently had they like tried a different tactic and not been like violent and like did all the shit that they did. You know, I understand why Picard made that choice, but it also felt like, to me, it felt like those on Uxmal who condemn these prisoners, that planet may not even be alive anymore. Or they may, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, somebody who's, who's sent to a prison and then the prison gets shut down, but nobody Mm -hmm. tells the prisoners inside Mm -hmm. that they're like free to go. So they're just there forever. It's like, no, no, I don't even know if the founders intended for you to be immortally in this like horrible existence for 500 years. Like that's, that's a lot.
2: I agree. In memory alpha. Uxmal gets three sentences. <laughs> so well, That's we, all we, we learned know, about it. We know nothing about Uxmal.
1: So I, I, this is similar to the episode we had with Vagra Two, where Armus was trapped on this planet forever. I felt no sorrow for Armus. Armus is a serial killer. He's a monster. He mm. is literally the skin of evil. And I don't want him off the planet. So I get that. It's like super sad that he's in isolation, but I'm not seeing an alternative here. Like, I yeah. i don't want him on my ship and I don't want him on my planet and I don't want him roaming around the galaxy free to cause havoc and murder people left and right. Just for like, fun.
2: Th- well, just for prime, fun. He I literally think enjoys prim-
1: it. I'm not OK with that.
2: The prime directive probably prohibits them from euthanasia.
1: Oh, please. Even they, though that
2: would be the polite the prime thing to directive do, well, not the polite, is- but the, the compassionate thing to do.
1: The prime directive is a suggestion. We all know that (laughs) it's, it's just a suggestion. If this was the, if they really felt like this is the right thing to do to let them die peacefully, they would have made it happen. But how do you kill a consciousness? Yeah. If you, I mean, if we could, if they, if there was an answer to that, that would have also given them peace because it's, I really don't feel like they want to keep going. They just want to get off the moon, but I don't yeah. think they want to really just like. It's not like they're like, I just want to live, you know. That's not. They're, they're like, no, like, we just want like peace. We just want peace. So if they could have, I think if there was a way to destroy their consciousnesses, they probably would have been like, cool, let's do that then. Like mm-hmm. Plan B, you know, we well, can yeah, get off the planet. Plan B.
2: I don't think we knew what they were going to do after they got on the ship either. What was well, they were going to take after over that?
1: all the? They were going to take over all the bodies. Oh, and then just like be oh. alive again, and, and then just be live alive their again. Life. Yeah, and okay. just live out their lives, like, but like. 500 years, you're not going to be sane enough to be running a starship <laughs> and a daycare and all this stuff. Like, this is not, it's not, they just wanted to escape the moon, right? Anyways, possible. So, I think if there was a way to destroy those consciousnesses, they probably would have done it. But I don't know what that way is. And they're just like a ball of electricity. So, I don't know. But I also, I didn't think it was cold. I think it was, they like escaped barely and they need to like get as far away from that place as possible get as far away from that moon as possible mm-hmm. um again i don't want these people from this moon on my ship or in my planet because they're just not safe they're not safe they're yeah. not stable if there was a way to rehab them if there was a way to really give them peace if there was a way to maybe make like a holodeck thing a holodeck thing on their planet where they can mm-hmm. at least pretend to have bodies or i don't know if there was a way to help them yes but not by them coming on my ship and invading my crew so i could see that
0: Mm-hmm. I could totally see
1: that. I didn't Agreed. feel. I didn't feel sad. I was just like, nope, nope, bye guys, bye. We're done.
0: Yeah. So they end up just beaming them back to the moon, and sort of all's well that ends well. And Keiko is like, I'm just happy to have my husband back, and Molly's happy to have her dad back. And I was like, uh, I would have some sort of feelings about this.
1: I would have some it, feelings.
0: It would take me a minute to like be okay with my husband being back to his normal self again. I like I being be, a creep. Yes, I'd be really glad, but also like uh, I really have some shit I need to unpack.
2: Mm, or like, are you know. sure it's you? You sure it's I, you? I, I don't Did know. I've it? been married for twenty five years. the? Uh, you know, I get really pissed at him and then forgive him ten seconds later. So,
1: you <laughs> what know, if he, what if he were taken over by an electricity monster or something, and it was then and it was raped. a totally different personality? Yeah, but but then he him. changed back. Would you? But then but he I, changed back. Would you be like, oh yeah, yeah, he changed, or would you be like, I,
2: but I I would know it wasn't him. Mm, you and know, know what it is him. it was yeah i mean she she almost i knew the immediately second miles yeah she knew it wasn't him she did yeah I think she I did. was like miles, miles, miles she didn't know it was him Yeah. yes
0: when he came in and they all started shooting she was like miles what are you and then it was like this isn't him like the fact that you live in a universe where yeah. your loved one could just be taken over by an electricity monster is kind of freaking terrifying yeah, yeah. that's kind of a scary thing that that's you like a possibility and then
2: but then <laughs> Keiko gets her revenge when she gets taken over by an entity in in, in Deep Space Nine you know, a few years later. So I did not <laughs> so now, know that. So now we're even. We're <laughs> back. Yeah. Because you know, in, in a world of many generations of a TV show, you have to redo the plot multiple times. Yeah, yeah, you totally do. There's only so many plots. You can you can Yeah, have. right.
0: So, Candace, as our guest, we want to start with you. What were your final thoughts?
2: Wrapping up, like after you finished watching this episode, one of the reasons why I like Keiko so much is, you know, it did end with her and forgiving miles because it wasn't Mm -hmm. miles and that family dynamic. I mean, they ended on a family dynamic. So that was, that was nice. And I I think at that point in the series, they are prepping the miles Keiko storyline to move over to Mm -hmm. um, Deep space nine because Mm -hmm. the last season of star Trek, was the first season of, of deep space nine. So mm-hmm. there was concurring stories going on at that point. So I think they were prepping those two characters, mm-hmm. but they already knew they were moving them over. Um, and in terms of the storyline, there was a lot that was not unbelievable. Um, and there was, you know, there was that scene at the very beginning where Worf is up at his station on the bridge and, Picard's head pops up, and there's just, it's just I, we didn't talk about that at the beginning, but you know, there's just all these things that were kind of weird and off. But it, mm. but I like the ending, and I like the way that Keiko and Miles and and um, Molly so, were sort of like the last scene of the story.
0: Yeah, it is kind of sweet because he goes, you know, if I could have stopped that thing inside of me, I would have.
1: He says, if and I could have like, killed it. Yes, there, there you you're like, go. Mm-hmm, he would have. We he all sure that. would have. Too. We all know that he would have, yeah. <laughs> he would have absolutely, which killed is it.
0: reassuring to know. It's reassuring mm-hmm. to know that it's like I, I was doing everything I could to stop it and kill it, and like I couldn't. So, you know, so glad that there's some closure on that. Sharice, what are your final thoughts on this
1: episode? This episode was very exciting. You know, this was the, the same old electricity monster takes over the crew plot that we've seen many, 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 many a time. But with a twist and to me, this episode feels like it redeemed all those other similar episodes in season one. Like all those episodes where we were like, oh, this is dumb. This makes no sense. I feel like this is what they were going for this yeah. right here. This, this felt to me like a second chance at episodes. I didn't love They had <laughs> this to have four episode.
2: seasons to make up for season one.
1: <laughs> That's right. That's right. And I feel like this one really, really did. Like, this is what they were going for in my, in my yeah. mind. What about you? Yeah. I mean,
0: I thought it was just, I, I agree with you completely. They had very similar episodes in earlier seasons. And this one was like the masterclass of like how it should have gone. And I'm glad that they were able to recycle that idea and make it something really, for me, it was very memorable. I think it's a great episode all around. I really enjoy it. It's one that I rewatch over and over again. I, I really, really like it a lot. Um, Candace, we've really loved having you. With us, turn it out with us. Where can listeners find you? Go ahead and plug your pluggables.
2: My podcast is gratitudegeek.com, gratitudegeek.com, because I am a geek and I'm full of gratitude. And uh, it's a fun show. I interview business owners about relationship marketing. Have a good time.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being part of our nerddom and nerding out for like way too long over this episode. <laughs> um, and this is what always happens whenever we have a gas, the episodes go really long because everybody has a lot to say, which is think If you think about it way better than the alternative where nobody has anything good to say about it. Sharice, um, of course I love nerding out with you as always guys next week, we are talking season five, episode 16 ethics. Thanks for nerding out with us. We will see you then. Bye.
1: Bye. Thanks for geeking out with us. Be sure to join the crew at thetngpodcast.com to be the first to know when we do our live shows or host events exclusively for our members. We'll see you next
2: time.